0: Welcome to Grace Harvest Church's weekly podcast. For more information about Grace Harvest Church or to find out more about something you hear during the podcast, visit us online at graceharvestchurch.org. Now listen in and allow God to speak to you through this week's message. This morning we have a special guest with us, a couple of special guests. And before I introduce them, I want to share for a few minutes out of my heart with you from the scripture. But uh, we've been a part of the nation of Zimbabwe in southern Africa for many, many years. We've supported a missionary family, Dan and Yvonne Harding, and their children over there. And uh, we've been supporting them in doing their work. They do a number of things in Zimbabwe, including working with children, working with a school, working with single mothers and a complex they developed that, that helps these single moms, doing worship, all kinds of different ministries, leading churches, leading pastors in a network of churches over there. And uh, it's, it's just been a privilege. We've known them for many, many years, and they're going to come today, or actually Dan's going to come, the dad's going to come, and I'm going to do a Q&A time. We're going to have an interview with them and give you the opportunity to hear about how God is working in another nation of the world and the reason that's important is so many times we get caught up in our own little zone. Have you, you noticed that? Like, like some of you, you got, you got Moses Lake-itis. Yeah, yeah, that's that disease you get when you get like really stuck and you think the whole world is what's happening right here in your own little zone, right? You start to think that Moses Lake is everything, right? And it's not. It's not at all. There's a whole lot more going on in the world. And, God is working in all the nations of the earth. He's working on all the continents of the earth and all the regions of the earth. And, uh, you know, there's a powerful scripture in Psalm 24. It says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The people and everyone contained in it belongs to God. Psalm 24, I think it's verses 1 and 2. So everything in the earth belongs to God. All of creation belongs to God. It's His. He owns it. He bought it. He purchased it. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead and ascended to the right hand, the Scripture tells us in the Psalms that the Father told Him this. The Father said, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth as your possession. So what do you think Jesus did? Jesus said, Father, I want all of them. I want every nation, every kindred, every tribe, every tongue, every people group. I want them. I died for them. My blood was shed for them. I purchased all of them. Lord, I want them all. And so God wants right here in Moses Lake, he wants your household, he wants your heart, he wants your life, and he wants the nations of the earth, including Zimbabwe. And all God's people say, So I want to share a couple of scripture references with you. And my short message is just simply this. Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. I want you to look at a couple of texts with me and then I'll make some comments on them. Matthew 28 19, very well known. We call it the Great Commission. If you're a Christian, this is the Great Commission. A commission is when a commanding officer sends you out to do your your job, right? Sends you out on your mission in God. Well, Jesus sent his disciples and Every one of us in this room are His disciples. He sent His disciples into the world. And this is what He said. And what I'd like you to do is look at the screen and read this out loud with me, okay? So, taking some, some air into your lungs, and let's read this together. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, he goes on to say more, but I'm not going to emphasize that. I'm going to talk about these two words right here go, therefore. Go, therefore. Some scholars say that the Greek phrasing could also be translated as you go, make disciples. And the idea is simply all of us in this room are in the process of going somewhere in our life, we're going to our jobs. We're going to our neighborhoods. I'm going to the store. I'm going out to eat. We're all going somewhere every day of our lives. And Jesus seemed to indicate that wherever you were going, God wanted you to be his instrument to make people followers of Jesus. The word disciple, the idea is like an apprentice. Go wherever you go, bring people into an apprenticing relationship with Jesus Christ. Bring them into a personal knowing of, his per- of who He is, His person. So, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we have this text in Isaiah 6, 8, and I'd like you to read it out loud with me as well. And this is Isaiah the prophet and priest speaking to God, and I'll give you the context to the text in a moment, but look what it says. He says this. Let's read it out loud together. Okay, here we go. Ready? One, two, three, go. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. I love that text. Now, let me tell you what was going on. Isaiah was a prophet, and he was a priest in the nation of Judah, and he was looking out at his society and seeing the evil of his day. And if you want to know what the problems were in that time, you can go back and read the text. But they're very common to our time. I mean, there was a a love of sex, power, and money. And then you could add one more, idol worship. So you had sex, power, and money, and idol worship running rampant within their culture. Every kind of thing you could think of was going on. And Isaiah is before the Lord and he's grieving, he's mourning, and he's very critical of what's going on in his nation. He's looking around, and he's going, what is going on here? God, you know, do something about this. He's seeing the evil of his time and the age that he lives in, and he's, he's grieving about it. And in the middle of that, he has an encounter with God that forever changes his life. One day while worshiping A vision happens and he's literally caught up before the throne of God and he sees these angels, these really wild angels, worshipping before the throne. And as they're worshipping before the throne, they're saying, holy, 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 Lord God almighty, heaven and earth are full of your glory. And he sees this happen, and instead of becoming critical of what's going on in his world and and what's happening in his culture, he becomes aware of his own sin, his own wickedness, the thing going on in his own heart. And when that hits him, he says, woe is me, he falls on his face, and he says, I'm unclean. My lips are unclean. My hands are unclean. Woe is me. Help me, God. And in the middle of that encounter, an angel comes off the throne, grabs a coal with some tongs, a hot coal with some tongs, and comes down to Isaiah. I know this is weird stuff, right? I mean, some of you are like, wow, it sounds like aliens to me, but it wasn't, okay? So this angel grabs this hot coal off of an altar in heaven. He flies down to Isaiah, and he touches his lips And Isaiah's lips burn, and it's God's way of saying, I've now purified your mouth. You can speak, and what will come out of your mouth will be clean now. It won't just be criticism of the evil out there. It'll start with you, and that way you can make a difference, right? And so he gets up from that encounter, and then God lets him in on a private conversation. It's like God opens up the Trinity to him. And the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God is having a conversation in heaven, and He's saying, we need somebody to go to those people. We need somebody to go to those people and tell them their sin, but also show them the way to redemption. And, and God says right here in this text, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And now Isaiah knows, my lips have been touched, my heart has been changed, now I'm capable of being used by God because God qualified me. And he says, here am I, send me. And you know, I've seen something over the years that all of us in this room at some time or another, if you're a follower of Jesus, sooner or later you're gonna pray this prayer. God, whatever it takes I'll do whatever you want me to. Please, Lord, deliver me. Help me come through on my behalf. Help my family. Whatever whatever it takes, Lord, do it in me, and I'll, I'll do what you say. I'll obey you. I'll follow you. And I want you to know that when you prayed that prayer, God took it seriously. He heard you. He heard your cry, and he registered it in heaven, right? Some people call those foxhole prayers, right? Guys are in the military, they're facing the, the reality of their mortality and the fact that they could die on the battlefield and they're down there in that foxhole and they're like, God, if you get me out of this, I'll do anything, I'll serve you. Well, God takes those prayers seriously. And He He took Isaiah's prayer seriously when he said, Here am I, send me. God said, Okay, I'm gonna send you. And what I love about that prayer in my own life is when I said, Whatever it takes, I'll go wherever you want me to. God said, Okay. I'm going to send you from Southern California to Moses Lake, Washington. And I've been here now almost 30 years because God said, that's where I'm sending you. Yeah, Yeah, I know, right? And you're like, huh? See, when, when we look at these texts, we see that Jesus sends all of us into our own worlds to make disciples. And he sends some of us, like Dan and Yvonne Harding, to other lands to make disciples. But here's the other thing I want you to see, and that is that Jesus sends people to be the answer to the evil and the pain of the time they live in. And that's really important. You know, some of us, we're, we love to curse the darkness. You know what I mean? We look at what's going on out there in society. We see the evil of our day. And we just, you know, we get on Facebook. We get on social media. And, rah, 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 and we talk about how bad it is and how evil it is. And we get together with people and we moan and we complain. And I could use some other words, but I won't because you'd get offended. But you know what I'm saying. We groan and moan and other things. And we complain about the darkness of our age and of our culture. And here's God's answer to that. You. You're the answer. I mean, there are some voices out there that would say people are the problem. And actually, I would agree heartily. The problem with planet Earth is us. We're busy blaming God. God's like, look at you guys, man. You just kill each other and do all kinds of other wicked stuff, right? But here's the beauty. In the same way that people are the problem, people are the answer. And God sends you, and He sends me, into the midst of dark situations to bring light and to show the love of God and to show that there is such a thing as redemption. God can take what's broken and make it whole. He can take what's shattered and put it back together again. He can took what, take what is sick and heal it. He can take um, the hopeless and give them hope. He can take the faithless and give them faith, amen? God is the God that does that. He specializes in taking people like you and I that are messed up and changing the world. And I have some friends here that he took from their own common background in the Tri-Cities area. And he said, I want to send you to the uttermost parts of the earth and use you to make a difference. And he's looking for people like you and I as well to say, here I am, Lord, send me. And don't be be afraid. For some of you are like, I don't think I want to go to Africa or Asia or South America or my neighbor, (laughs) right? I don't think I want to do that. And I, I just want to challenge you to say, Lord, here am I. Whatever it is, wherever it is, to whoever it is, send me. And if you do, you will be more satisfied. You'll have an itch scratched in you. You've never had scratched before. You'll know the, the, the fulfillment that comes with obeying God, right? So he's looking for you to say, here I am, Lord, send me. Now, Dan and Yvonne Harding are the missionaries that we support, as I said earlier, in Zimbabwe, Southern Africa. Can you put up the map of Africa? I just want you to see where Zimbabwe is. So that's that huge Continent of Africa and the nation of Zimbabwe is that small nation right there above South Africa, and um, that's where Dan and Yvonne Harding live. Uh, they've been doing missionary work in Zimbabwe altogether more than 20 years, and we support them every month as a church. A number of individual people support them, and uh, they're good ground and they're worthy of support. They're doing all kinds of things in that nation to make a difference. And this morning I want you to put your hands together and give a big Grace Harvest Church welcome to Dan Harding and I'm going to have his son Ian stand as well. This is Ian. Come on up, Dan. Ian, are you currently single? He's he's pausing. No, not personally, but yeah. Well, ladies, uh, just on the bottom there, just uh, touch it until you see the red light come on. There we go. So this is Dan Harding, and uh, Dan, it's great to have you with us, bro. Really good. Good,
1: good to be here.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I have some questions for you, and uh, I'm going to start real quick with uh, how long have you and your wife been married, and how many children and grandchildren do you
1: have? Kevin, okay, been married uh, since July 1977, 41 years next month. <laughs> Forty-one years, wow. We have uh, five children uh, scattered abroad all, all over the show, and we have four grandchildren, two boys, two girls. The the most current was born, it'll be two weeks ago tomorrow, on Memorial Day in Fort Worth, Texas.
0: All right. Yeah. <clears throat> How long have you been following Jesus Christ? How long have you known the Lord?
1: Well, I've, I'm, I'll be 65 in August, and... Uh, Hallelujah. And still strong and not thinking of retiring, but more like refiring. That's right, Hallelujah. refiring. And um, I made a commitment to Christ was as a, as a child, about six or seven, eight years of age. And I grew up in the church, and there were some years I was I kind of went to church to keep parents off my back as a teen. Uh, yeah. Hello. There's probably some par- parents and kids that both feel that way sitting out there. And... Um, Anyway, then, the year I graduated from high school, I made a really serious commitment of the Lord. I was on a on a trip with my church's youth choir, and I, it was one night. There wasn't anything specific happening, but God just showed up in this Baptist youth group, and I was on my face crying out to God, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, are you going to continue doing things your way, or are you are going to start doing them my way? Wow. And that was about a 180-degree turnaround, and that wow. was in the... Summer of nineteen seventy, so as uh, as as some time ago, yeah. So so the Lord said, "It's my way or
0: the highway," basically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: When did you feel God calling you to be a missionary to Zimbabwe? Well, I watched. uh, I think as a young boy, I I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church in our in our town, and uh, the Southern Baptists are very, very, very evangelical. I'm going to turn this around because I. I missed a couple of you guys. Yeah, I, Drew, I can't. I, I, I don't do well seeing out of the side of my head. So um, nice. the Baptists are very evangelical, very missions-minded, got saved there, and uh, had some very godly pastors and parents and things. But as a young boy, I remember watching videos, or not videos in those days, but films yeah. of, of missions and, and working. You know, just looking back, I remember certain ones like that, and I can't say there was any big revelations or things, but um, as I grew up, uh, I knew that when I had that 180 degree turnaround, I don't know that I, I knew that God wanted to do something different with me than what. Now the testimony that I didn't share in the first service, um, I, I, I came later in my parents' life. My mom was about 39 or 40. Dad was, was well, I think, 44 when I was born. and now, like, This is kind of the story with Ian with us. He came later in life. And mom was really struggling with that pregnancy. And that was long before the days of scans and all that kind of stuff. And and she cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, and I'm saying this, I really felt this morning to challenge parents that if you are you don't give up on some of the things that happened with your children, but you keep sowing for a different future. And my mom began, and I didn't find this until I was 27 years old. I was already well on the way and on the road. My dad just shared with me not too long before he died about what had happened. Uh, but there was, it looked like the, there was going to be a miscarriage. Mm. Um, Mom cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, if you give us this child, boy or girl, you can do what you want with that child. Wow. The prayer of parents and grandparents and, and godly relatives matters a lot. Amen. And uh, And, you know, I think that prayer is one of those... Here I am, send me that my mom prayed it caused yes. her a lot of consternation later in oh, life when, sure. when she wished that she was that we were a little closer in the neighborhood than Africa, you know. Yeah. So, but that's really important. I, you know, that's really the, the part of the thing. From and I recognize at in the college years that, that God was doing something different with me. I, go, I end up at Bible College, and at Bible College, it really settled in my heart that I was going to go to Africa. Wow. I, uh, whether it was short-term, long-term, I was looking at YOM, that didn't come out, but I joined a group that I traveled and administered 10 months, uh, four in the U.S., six abroad, and which three and a half of the six spent in Southern Africa. It was Rhodesia, yeah. South Africa, Lesotho, uh, in those days, and now okay. it's Rhodesia then, it's now Zimbabwe. And uh, I met my, came back to the U.S., uh, met my wife, and I uh, didn't realize at that time she was going to be my wife, but within mm. a couple of years, I kind of woke up, and sm- I was smelling the coffee that, yeah, this is this is the girl, and we wow. got married, and uh, we did a short-term missions in, in Jamaica, funny enough, for okay. six months. Okay. Our church was involved. Kind of got the missions thing out of my system at that time. I figured I'd better get down to the the cultural change of being married, yeah, and that's, uh, getting married is cr- a cross cultural experience. Amen. Especially if you didn't have, I didn't have sisters, so I mean, man, I had to learn a lot about how ladies how ladies think, and yeah. and I still don't know how they think, but yeah. I have a I, Come I, I, on. I, I do, preach it, preach I, it. I I do know how I do know that sometimes it's just it's better just to keep quiet and act like okay, you know. It's, 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 <laughs> He's
0: <laughs> given away trade secrets. That's wrong. You should never do that publicly. Just
1: kidding. Yeah, so then, then uh, there were some changes in our church. And in 1982, 83, God began to be stir of my heart. And I started writing letters to guys that I knew in Africa. And I didn't get much of a response. But then one day, I was in a meeting up in Canada, up in Penticton. And God gave the, the leader a prophetic word for me. He said, not many days from now, you've been on the right track. Not many days from now, God is going to open the door for you. There'll be a blessing to you and many others. But don't be afraid of the trademark. Okay, well, three weeks later, I get a letter from Yvonne's uncle, uh, who had spent years in Southern Africa. And he was from a particular Canadian denomination. When you open the letter, you see this massive thing Trademark. The trademark. It was oh, wow. the trademark. That was around June, July. In December, I was in Zimbabwe. And wow. we went for one year and stayed seven and a half. We were back in the States for about, about 10 years, pastored a number of years in Tri-Cities. And then at the least likely and convenient time, God sent us back to Zimbabwe. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow, what an amazing story. Um, what are some of the ministries? Yeah, you can clap. That's good. Yeah. Um, tell us about some of the ministries and the projects that you're
1: currently involved with in Zimbabwe. Okay, When we first went there in the 80s, uh, we really began to do a lot of things with children. One of the things that was, very, was glaringly obvious, there's no good Sunday school stuff there. Hmm. And we did some initial stuff then, and then we were back in the States in that period of time. When we went back in 2001... The first thing we went to work on is developing a contextualized, localized um, um, curriculum Curriculum, for children. And we, over the next six years, wrote two full years of children's curriculum to use at three different age levels. And you know, a lot of the stuff that we'd get there was more in in cultures that were different than Africa. So we designed uh, stuff. My wife used uh, um, like a pad. And a, and a penned and drew all these cool pictures of African children and stuff instead of a lot of white children and stuff. Yeah, cool. I mean, like our church, I, we have 400 people out on Sunday morning, and, they're about, and there are about this many white people uh, if everybody's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe six. <laughs> so so you, that's, we had to contextualize what we were yeah, doing, enough. and that's what we did. We did that. After that, in the middle of all that, we began to realize that one of the glaring needs was with, single mothers. See women in, in in Zimbabwe are in a lower cultural place anyway. Mm. Now if you get a single mother with children, she's in a lower of the lower places of women. And uh, and so we began to meet and we found Yvonne and I were spending a lot of our time during the week counseling and talking and encouraging and talking to kids and stuff. And we had some outrageous story. That if I don't have time to tell what happened with little kids, you know, the little guy Tell him, sit down and be quiet, you know, because there's no dad, right? I tell the guy, sit down and be quiet. And, and he's arguing with his mother. Then the next thing, the guy gives her a full hand shot, five years, of, five years of age, across mom's face. Pastor Dan was about this high off the ground, halfway across my living room before I hit the ground, and because I'd already told him, if you don't settle down, I'm going to take you and I'm going to do what's, you know, laying out of hands, ministry, whatever's necessary, right? <laughs> In a rapid, energetic fashion, yeah so this, yeah. So this little I, I realized halfway there when I just touched back down that i didn 't have mom 's permission, yeah, yeah, you know now in, you know in America that 's a big deal, and there I says, I took her out first, kind of had the guy with us in tow, and I says, Pauline, i don 't know. I'm, I, I'm, I just kind of took a step here. she says, "Pastor, you told them what you're going to do, I think you better do it." Wow, and so I took him to the back room and I got one of our smaller version wooden spoons. you know wooden spoons are nice because they come in graduated sizes according to the size of <laughs> according to the size of the kid and the size of his or her bum, you know mm-hmm. so anyway, so i t- took i did exactly with him through a thing that i did I've done with my own children over the years, how I did it, prayed mm-hmm. with him, mm-hmm. got him to repent, yeah, and uh and the moms a week later, says, you know, guys at school are calling, what happened to your son? Wow. <laughs> the guy was a changed individual right <laughs> because, on. because of having the action of a father. That was one other thing I didn't touch. To just really, and I'm just kind of flown with this a little bit. And that's, yeah. uh, men, we have no idea the impact that we as fathers can have and do have on our children, on our boys and our girls. Amen? It's true. I tell you I've got girls now in in Zimbabwe that are teenagers that are orphans and others and I'm the dad. Yeah. In fact I messed my back up giving these girls a big (laughs) a good tight hug and Mm -hmm. off the ground. But but we do. And that's one thing this year the Lord says don't just let these kids call you dad without acting like one. Mm. And I started get you see there's a movie, I can't remember the movie, but the line came to me that these girls were talking to some of the boys that had impregnated them and were irresponsible about it. And he says, hey, anybody can make a baby, but not everyone can be a father. That's right. It's got true. that? I don't know why I'm just really sensing that this morning here. Guys, that we've got to really take the place. And if we didn't have that modeled, we, we've got to learn how to do that. That's these right. girls are behaving themselves because I'm being a dad and loving them.
0: Yeah,
1: I tell them that's they're good. cute and and, there's no, and they're beautiful and mm-hmm. it's not uh, not that I've got any other agenda where the yes. boys there have, like uh, boys in most places, tell a girl who's beautiful because he's headed one direction. Yeah, And the girls have got to know that dads love them because of their child, that they're beautiful, that God's created them for something better. And Sorry. that's part of the message with the, with the single that's moms good. too, same story. And so, I don't know, there's a greater anointing in this service. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. You're not going to get your questions done, but I'm no, sorry. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> but tell
0: us about, tell, tell us some more about some of the ministries you're involved in. Yeah. We'll you know, come I'll back. just speak something for Dan and Yvonne. One of the things that has really impacted me when I visited them is that they always have young people living with them. And over the years, they've had multiple children come up in their home together with their own family, and their home has become a refuge. For children without parents, and uh, it's been a beautiful thing to watch.
1: Well, this single mother's thing has taken us so many directions. Um, we've ended up starting a small private Christian school as a result, and seeing kids get established. And you get—we had a kid last year that was uh, came to us and real, real tough kind of guy, and he was rebellious and different things and angry. And, and his dad talked to me about it, and he says. Uh, tells me about his son. I said, well, I'll take him on probation and and that way it's a protection for you and me both. Mm-hmm. You take the boy in, he's 16 years old, almost 17, and you sit down and, and now he's in high school, middle, middle point of high school. You sit down and test the guy and the boy can't read. Mm. No wonder he's angry and frustrated. He's sitting in a class that's, that's here and he's here with, mm-hmm. within... Uh, two terms. We were on a three-term system, and in two terms, this boy was reading at a grade five level.
0: Praise God! So, yeah, I
1: mean that's there you go. That's real stuff. You see, you get, I didn't want to have the little learning to read guys or high schoolers. When we started testing kids, we found that we have to have learning to read. We've got remedial reading. In fact, the, part of the vision of Victory Fellowship that we were part of there is root, ground, and establish. What are we doing with kids? We're rooting, grounding, and establishes kids. And they've gone on um, and finished. Some have gone on and gone further education. Got one of our orphan girls. It's one of my girls, one of our girls, 20 years old. Just finished high school, passed well. And now she's We're as soon as I get back, and she gets her certificates, which takes a bit of time, we're going to be nursing, uh, looking for a place in a nursing program, a three-year nursing program. Hell yeah. That's, a, that's, that's, that's exciting stuff, you know, good. when you, you see the kids that are going on with with what's on. But at the, the school and the, then Smile Village. Yeah, tell us single, about Smile Single, Village, single yeah. mothers included, loved, empowered. We started. We had a burden because of housing issues and finances and things. As right now, economically, we got 90 percent unemployment.
0: 90 um, not nine zero. 19, <clears throat> Ninety
1: percent nine unemployment rate. And a lot, a lot, not a lot of direction for kids coming out of school and think Pretty hopeless for some. And um, anyway, we. I don't know where I started with this thing. Where was I? Smile. You're going to thank talk you. About Smile Village. Village. My wife's not here to keep me on track, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> anyway, I won't say anymore. Um, um, but we, we had a burden to start get a property to de- develop. We looked at buying some stuff. We looked at things for ourselves. Uh, so ladies could have a safe place to, and stable place to live and also help provide some employment for guys to work. And uh, what was funny, we were given... In 2007, we were given six acres of land, and we've gone through a very long process of getting approved and and title transfers and all kinds of fun things. I think bureaucracy is the same everywhere. It's worse where we live, but you can get tied up in this. It took a long time to get it, but the city wouldn't let us divide the six acres off of this big 70-some acre piece of ground. And so they forced us. To, we had to do a minimum of 18, so we had to go back to the owner, and the owner gave us 18 acres. Wow. So another amazing thing that God did for us, and that's registered and thing done. We have six acres that that's fenced. We've got a, a market garden going. We've got two we got two boreholes now. Um, Tell them what a borehole that's is. That's well. a well. A well. Down, two wells. I think, probably. It's over 100 feet. In fact, as when I left, I just purchased... Um, a whole solar borehole pump system.
0: So right. we've
1: been pumping for the last years using fuel, but fuel at $5.70, $5.70 a gallon, you can blow up a lot of money on fuel pumping water. We, yeah. we got this solar system, which is sun, sun every day there. So now we're in a place that, we're in a great place to, because you get kind of free Stuff. Yeah. So then, and then out of that, you know, we had this, the single mom's ministry has continued. The school, the the education of children. And and when we were here in 2016, uh, I, honestly, I was really fried. I was like, you talk about doing another meeting and doing something else. I thought, oh, no. It's like internally, it's like, oh, no. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: And um, in the, in our, we spent about three and a half months in the U.S. with Pastor Doug. Pastor Jeff Eklund uh, and their wives, well, I guess Peggy wasn't there, but Jeff, uh, Robbie was there with Jeff, mm-hmm. said, you guys, when you come to the States this time, don't go just traveling meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting, which we did this time because we're in better shape now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and rest. Ian and I played more golf and fished more in that three-month period than we had in three years prior, Ooh. so we, we did it. He had some great fishing. In fact, we had some great fishing last week, but I'll, you can t- I'll tell you about that later uh, if you want to know. <laughs> um, but uh, during that time, uh, we've, I've been involved with music in different ways for many years, but not active in Zimbabwe. I had a guitar, a great vintage guitar that's, that's 35 years old. Your dad's played it and your brother's played it um, that I'd hardly played for years. And I get back to Africa, and one of the things God used to refresh me is I bought probably 30 to 35 praise and worship CDs during that three-month period of time, played them all the time. And when I got back to Africa, Pastor Ken said there's been some changes, and we want you and Yvonne to take over the whole praise and worship sound music ministry. And I'm, I think, couldn't you find a younger guy to do this, you know? Yeah. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm having a great time. And when we get worship going there, we've had to adjust some things like volume and that stuff. But, but we're having a great <laughs> time. We've got a team of about about uh, 40 people wow. and uh, that do either the sound system. We've helped redo a lot of that. And we've got a t- about five or six people that are good uh, worship convener leaders and uh, choir If everyone pitches up, we have 40 to 50 people. And we're also responsible for the fellowship-wide praise and worship stuff, training things and things for the five other churches that are in our city. And occasionally we have everyone from our rural areas, and you've got 50 planted churches. Wow. And so we've got... It's a new interesting challenge that we haven't dropped the other, but we have turned a lot of it over. So anyway, we, we... we're kind of one of those utility guys in baseball. You need yeah, a hit, yeah. get the guy in. If you need him to play left field, go for it. And that's kind of how God has wired us. I'm a facilitator, administrator guy, and sometimes Ken just plugs me into a thing like this to get it organized, on track, and running it. And we're having a great time. Yeah. Amen.
0: Yeah, one of the... Yeah, isn't that cool? One of the things... Um, amen. One of the things that um, is really amazing when you do go to Zimbabwe, when you go to Africa in general, is the worship. Um, I don't know that I've ever experienced any place that knows how to celebrate like Africans know how to celebrate when it comes to worship. And um, man, it's amazing. And I dance my shoes off every time I go. They actually let me get up in their dance lines. They got dance lines uh, in their praise and worship. And they invited me to come up in their dance lines now. Um, they danced me to the floor, but I still gave a, a, my best shot, and it was a lot of fun. Um, it's a great time, and, and we love uh, being a part of that. So they're involved with a, a Christian school, help leading that. They started it, help leading that. Smile Village, which is a little village with housing for single moms and their children, children, and it has an area where they're growing food, and also chickens are being raised. They started that. That was part of the vision they started. They're over worship. He is one of the administrators in MFI Zimbabwe, which we were able to be a part of going over to Zimbabwe and starting MFI. MFI is the organization that I'm a part of, and our leadership here is a part of Ministers Fellowship International. So uh, Dan is a part of the leadership team of MFI Zimbabwe, and now there are churches all over Zimbabwe that are a part of that network, and uh, so he's helping to administrate that. They have their irons in a lot of fires and God is really using him in amazing ways.
1: Yeah, amen. Um, I want to say something. I just really feel strong to add on that. You see, I, it took me a long time to realize I'm not an evangelist. And, you know, traditional missionaries go and they do Bible schools or they do evangelism. And you hear about these guys where there's half a million people show up. That's not me. But part of coming, and I'm saying this to you because sometimes we minimize it's only when you sit and talk about it and you start, oh, yeah, we well, you're also involved in that, too. Oh, yeah. You know, you tend, we tend to minimize it's true. at times the gifting that God puts within us. I realize that, look, my wife leads worship sometimes. Mm-hmm. I do occasionally. I, I, if they need a voice, I sing if they need the guitar. And sometimes I sit and just, I'm just there to help see it going. And, you know, sometimes you want to say, well, I want to be a, you know, whoever uh, and powerful worship leader. And I can lead worship. But I do better facilitating Mm -hmm. to make sure things are in order to run smoothly, so that when the guys hit the platform, it it happens. You see, so I think just for you that sometimes you minimize what God has done, and you use that thing. There's a principle of faithfulness. If you're faithful in that which is least, God will add to that thing. I, mean, I look back how we started. I mean, that's a whole nother story. But we did Sunday school. We did all kinds of stuff, not realizing. In fact, Earl Bradley one time prophesied in the 80s over us hmm. in Richland. Wow. And he said, God has put a gift of administration in you. Don't minimize it. And don't, um, the people look at you and you think you can't be stable. You're moving this, 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 all these things. But it's, it's a it's a greater part of the long-term plan and purpose God has for you. And that was about I don't know, 80 early 80s 82 and there wow. 83. And that's what I do. Amen. I'm here at 65 years of age and I mean, and I mean and we're doing what God's called us to do, anointed us to do, loving it, but we didn't start here. Yeah. And you started with simple things. You have right. being faithful here, helping, serving. And basically if I look at my church life, Pastor Henry used to say that there's, there's the model church member. You give them something, do they do it? Yeah. And I'm not saying that to, to kind of wave our own banner, but I'm to say to you, don't minimize what God has put within you, but rather grow it and develop it, and you'll be surprised where it'll take you. Awesome.
0: That's a good word. Um, To wrap up this time, I want to ask Dan a question, uh, but I want to give you a little bit of context first. Um, This is Dan and Yvonne's home church. Okay, we adopted them a number of years ago. All of their support to Africa flows through here. When people from other churches and other nations send their support, they send it to Grace Harvest Church, and we cut a check or we wire the money directly to Dan. And this has become the place for them to land, be encouraged, be refreshed, be renewed, um, to communicate with. And so I want you all to know that you may not even realize it, but you play a huge part in helping this family uh, be able to be supported, and they're not alone anymore. And I just want you to comment on, um, I want them to know what Grace Harvest Church means to you and Yvonne and to Zimbabwe.
1: We're really highly relational people. One of the difficulties we have is we don't get to spend as much time here as we'd love to. Mm-hmm. I've known Doug and Peggy uh, since about 91, 92, someplace in there, when David Minor was still alive and he was here helping in those early years. Mm-hmm. Our kids, a lot of our kids have grown up together. We, we, did, we did pastors' gatherings and family gatherings and stuff over the years. Mm-hmm. And those relationships matter. I think the word that God gave me in the early service was connect. And even though many of you don't know who we are, we really feel connected to this church. Mm. Um, I look at some of the guys like 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 Dick and Donna, I've known for years. Mm-hmm. Um there's an African family here. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Brendan and yeah. Brendan and Chikotie, Chikotia, Boney,
0: They were yeah. with us we when I them. pastored
1: in Richland back in the day. Yeah. And I haven't pastored in Richland since nineteen ninety-eight. Wow. And then then they found work here, and they've been here ever since. You got yep. them, you know. But they're still our friends, you and know. They're awesome. In fact, I yeah, told I told awesome Brent, people. I told them at the beginning of service, services, this boy grew up in Africa, and he's used to seeing Africans. And you just check on him occasionally to make sure he's okay, <laughs> because because the connection's just different. I mean, all his friends are black guys, I think, mm-hmm. but maybe one or two are are or mixed race, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and so on. So. But, you know, the long-term connection, but with this church here, you see with me, uh, some of the early years, we, we, because we travel and raise finance different places, it's hard to feel connected in any place. And if you really get jammed, who are you going to call? You don't call Ghostbusters. you yeah, know yeah. I mean, it's one of those. Yeah. And, and, and I usually call Raul or, or Pastor Doug. In fact, we talk monthly, pretty routinely. Yep. And we slot time so that we've got an hour or plus time to talk through anything that's going. And we update and share challenges. Uh, we've had a family situation that's really challenged us uh, and continues to challenge us with someone that's here in, with one of my kids in the States. And, and and Doug and, and, and the guys have been a real source of encouragement and praying with us to see a change. And even when we're here, i mean, I knew if we were really jammed in a way I can call, you see. And there has to be that connectedness. And I said honestly, with, with some mission set up in days gone by, sometimes you just really feel out of out of sight and out of mind. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know that, that I don't know that to be the case here. Yeah. Uh, because sometimes John will write and say, hey, we haven't talked in a while. Let's do something. It's usually I'm the one, because I'm, I'm I've got a different kind of schedule, but I pursue him until he agrees on the time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you guys find with him, but do. if you're going to, do you have to do that with him too? And say, hey, I need to sit and no. talk to you. Anyway, we won't no,
0: no. <laughs> you we, have sta- we have standing appointments. Every yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, that's it. Maybe we should do that. No, let's talk about that. We no. Do. <laughs> no, but it really, it's important to have a... Uh, 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 when you think of home, you know, it's like with my kids, they've spent so many years in Africa. Uh, we've tried to buy the house we're living in. We got an excellent price but couldn't come up with the funding. And a home loan in Zimbabwe, by the way, is 15%. <laughs> yeah, so you're going to buy about six houses with that. And if you come with the cash, you get a great deal. In my house, I could buy for $150,000. You can't buy anything in Moses like for $150,000, I don't think.
0: Yeah, not much.
1: So, um but really, it's important to us to have that to have that connectedness. And I feel like if we are in a problem with this spiritually, emotionally, uh, medically, you know, as you get older, there's a few things that crop up from time to time. And uh, I know that we've got a place that maybe you can't do something immediately, but you know enough guys to get on the call and say, hey, yeah. Dan and Yvonne are really struggling with this and that. And that's important. You see, that's, that's what right. home is about. That's right. And so anyway. I would right. say a lot, but it's really, we appreciate uh, this church. We've been coming here for us since the 90s when we yep. were pastoring in Richland yep. from time to time. Some of you that have been here longer know us, and uh, and we, we appreciate you. We love you. Thank you for your support and your help. I don't want to speak on behalf of my wife, and uh, all of my children have had some connectedness with this church, although they're all over creation at the moment, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're married and they've gone and moved to other places, just like mom and dad. You know, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so, God bless you. Thank you for uh, the time to be able to just share with you today. I told uh, I told Dan in the last service
0: that I wanted him to speak uh, a blessing or a greeting to us in one of the languages there in Zebelli, and um, I wanted him to also speak a couple of the words where they use a popping sound because it's so cool. Um, I can do a really good popping sound, you know. I can do that. That's I can a, do it really that's loud too. a cue. Too. Really loud, but but uh, n- this is different. So
1: yeah, speak to us. I have a story. It's oh a, uh, boy, I bet you do. When I went, yeah, <laughs> one of our girls that uh, has got, we had to, we've transferred her to her so she could go and write the national exams. We went last year to a government school and the headmistress, because of the level she was going in, had to meet with us. And she's a real by-the-booker, till you get to know her, a bit, where she still is, but I mean, she, I'm her friend now. So she, we go in to see this lady, and she looks at the transcript, ah, but what school is this? and what, what kind of a curriculum is this? It's not what we do. And I mean, she was just like this with me. Something came up about language, and then she said to me, so, yeah, Kuluma Sindebele, in other words, do you speak in Kuluma. I speak. And she says, ah, say, ah, say, ah, and ah, ah. I said, ah, ah. That's an X and a Q. So, ah. She calls another teacher on the Shona ladies. They don't speak. They don't use those. Uh-huh. Ah, listen to this fellow. <laughs> Not awesome. another question. She signed the paperwork. It says, go pay the fees across the passage. There you go. Language, so it's through language. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So speak uh, a greeting or a blessing over uh, us. Uh, we greet you today in the precious name of so, Jesus.
0: Yeah, so. Amen. Can we say thank you to Dan? Thank you, brother. Love you, man.